Losing a special teams coordinator might not feel like a big deal for many programs, but for FAMU, this is a significantly underrated loss. Oh, yeah, it's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked on HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. I appreciate you for tapping in, checking out Locked on HBCU and making us your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusive starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode starts with FanDuel because today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to make every moment more. It wraps up with Jackson State's head baseball coach and how he's elevating with the collegiate national team. In between that and the top of the show, we're going to go to Chris Bankston, who is now on the Minnesota Timberwolves Summer League team. But we started off with, I guess, kind of some somber news. But I'm really excited to bring this to you because I think that this man's story should be told. And I'm discussing Chili Davis, the former FAMU special teams coordinator. And I know that to many people, when you say former, it's like, okay, just go get you another special teams coordinator. But I'm telling you this right now the departure of Chili Davis is a significantly underrated loss to people who are not paying attention to FAMU in the way that they operate. The reason I say that is because for many people, I think that losing a special teams coordinator is minimal. It doesn't feel the same as losing your kicker, or excuse me, losing your offensive coordinator or your defensive coordinator, because we're just talking about kicking and punting. So it feels like your special teams, like, eh, whatever. A lot of people probably aren't, aren't even as clear on what they do and how impactful that they can be. But those who follow FAMU, those who are inside those rooms having those discussions, they care a lot about special teams. If you are an everydayer, which I'm assuming you are and you will be soon, you're hearing how much FAMU cares about special teams through my words, through what I say, because I want to express this so that we can all be on the same page and understand the things that we need to know. FAMU, the Rattlers, the second place team, is whoever you want to say, the team in Tallahassee, they are a team that cares and places a lot of emphasis on special teams. And that's why I think we need to set the scene because I don't want to only talk about him being Chili Davis because he's not the only departure from this room. However, we'll get to that in a second. First, we got to pull out our canvases. We have to paint a picture. We must set a scene because the departure of Chili Davis both represents how hot his start was at FAMU, but then it also has a little hesitation, like, I hope FAMU doesn't cool off now that he's gone. Now, 
You may or may not have caught that play on words. I wonder when you think of the word chili, do you think of hot like the food or cold like the weather? I don't know. I couldn't pick which one I wanted to go with. So I decided to just go with both. But the truth of the matter is outside of my wordplay, when I say that Chili Davis is or his departure is represented by his hot start and you hope that FAMU doesn't cool down now that he's gone. It's not just to be witty. This is really both sides of the story. Chili Davis was hired just a year ago. He spent a year on the FAMU roster as a or the FAMU coaching staff as the special teams coach, and now he's at Kansas State. Now, I don't know if you know or not, but many people don't go from FCS to FBS in just one year. That's just not the path that most people take at the speed that he took it. Like a lot of people go FCS to FBS, but not many people do it in just a year after at a program. That's just not common. And I think that's what represents just how good he was because it only took them a year at FAMU to see what he was able to accomplish and what he was in the value that he brought to a, I think Kansas State's still in the Big 12. With all this shifting around when it comes to conference alignment, it's kind of hard to, to know. But check out Locked on Big 12. We just got a new a new host, and they'll tell you if they're still there or not. But the thing about him is you have him being Chili Davis. You have a first team all swat kicker in Jose Romo Martinez. You have a first team all punter in Chris Fadul. The problem is both of those gentlemen are gone, which brings me to the cool off part. It brings me to the contradiction. You're now losing three key cogs in the, in the special teams machine. The only thing that could be worse knock on wood the only thing that could be worse is if you lose your kick return and punt returning because then it's like you lost pretty much everybody except for maybe your long snapper and i know a lot of people don't focus on the long snapper and i'm not going to right now i'm sorry but the fact of the matter is you're losing your kicker you're losing your punter which means you have to bring in new people to replace them and i know you have trey will hoyt you feel good at the punter position and i'm not mad that you feel good but you still wanted your coach to be able to get them ingrained and settled into the program but now he's gone so now you might bring in another a new special teams coach who looks at things a different type of way this is a guy that coach willie simmons called a technician he's the type of guy that regardless of the talent you feel like you're bringing in how many of us know at least one person with untapped talent how many of us know people who have potential but don't reach that potential? You're not doing it by yourself. And I think that Coach Davis was the perfect person to bring whoever is going to be filling those shoes, excitement that comes with that player or not, and settle them and get them acclimated and take them to reaching their potential. So, yes, this is a big loss. And I want to read to you one thing that Coach Simmons said about Coach Davis's performance last year. Coach Davis brought life, energy, and excitement into our special teams unit last year. Then he said that, that uh, Kansas State is getting a star. I know it might just seem like kind words on the way out of the door, but when you see how fast he accelerated from FAMU to Kansas State, this isn't just, oh, I'm going to say this just because this is something that's validated by the path that Coach Davis has taken. But if we're talking about people who are leaving programs, this one was expected, but Chris Bankston has left Norfolk State because he graduated. And now he's landing with the Minnesota Timberwolves Summer League team. Let's break down the opportunities that come with that, what he personally 
could get out of this summer league as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Today, you have the College World Series final, LSU versus Florida. If you put some money down on Florida yesterday, oh my gosh, that game was, it wasn't even close. The first game, amazing. Second game got out of hand quickly and it never got back in hand. But now we have game three. What kind of pitches are we going to see out there? Who's going to put money down on LSU or Florida? This is this is a game that should be highly anticipated and highly wagered on. And there's only one place to wager on it at. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. You got to make sure you put the slash locked on, okay? And they have the first sweat, no uh, first bet, no sweat, which means even if you lose your first bet, they'll give you up to $1,000 back in free bets. So really, what are you concerned about? That you know you don't know that much about baseball? Take a leap of faith because your leap of faith will be rewarded whether you win or you lose. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. No sweat, first bet. Seems like an easy choice to me. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day on tomorrow's, or excuse me, Wednesday's episode, we'll be highlighting Shaw University's offensive game plan in football, including a dual threat, no, a dual quarterback system, not a dual threat, but a dual quarterback, meaning they'll use two quarterbacks in their offense. We'll break that down on Wednesday's episode. But right now, we're highlighting a player who is transitioning from college into the pros, and that being Chris Bankston, the former Norfolk State big man, as he's been picked up by the Minnesota Timberwolves for their summer league team. And now that he's in Minnesota, maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll have a chance to learn from a big man who has changed the game. You know, Carl Anthony Towns. Shots fired. No, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I don't know how close the team players, the team starters, the guys like Anthony Edwards and, and Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Town. Like, I don't know how close they'll be in proximity to the summer league roster, but I mean this with all seriousness. Do I make fun of the things that he said? I don't love the big the, the big men of Minnesota. I don't. I don't love them a ton, right? But it'd be foolish. To say, regardless of what you feel about Carl Anthony Towns, regardless of what you feel about Rudy Gobert, and those are two big men who get a lot of opinions about them, regardless of how you feel about them, it would be foolish to say that they couldn't help a big man who is on the summer league roster. But I don't even know how close they're going to be. Because let's break down exactly what summer league is, and let's take the shots at Cat alone. Let's leave him to the side, Darian. No more. Until I get off air, and I'm going to get back to shooting. Uh, but summer league is basically summer basketball and every single NBA franchise has a summer league team and it's not preseason, right? This is, this is, you're not going to see any stars out there unless you see them on the sidelines at the game. Like they might show up. That's what I mean by proximity and the ability to give notes. I don't even know if they're going to be close enough for that. Some people are just gone. Some people are there. Some people show up because there's some in Vegas, some in Where's the other one? I think it's on the East Coast. But the Summer League is for G-leaguers, is for rookies, is for unknown commodities. That's who it's really for. Now, obviously, Chris Bankston fits into the rookie category. 
And I don't want you to sit there and be looking for stardom because now that's not what I feel like summer league is good for. Like, yeah, it's, it's always great to see a player who looks amazing, but I was having this conversation with a coworker of mine and we were actually discussing the, the Mavericks with Dirk, the one that won the championship. And we were talking about how role players don't really get discussed because it's often said Dirk did it by himself, X, Y, and Z. But we're not really talking about the J.J. Bereas, not really talking about the Jason Terry. Like, we're not talking about those players a lot. And it's just kind of the, the viewpoint of a role player is one that's kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm glad you, you played your role. But they're valuable. They are a valuable part of teams. And I think that this is where you'll be able to see a little bit more of your role players. And that's in Summer League. Because these guys aren't going to be stars. They might look phenomenal there, but most of them are coming in to be role players at best. And when I say at best, I mean they might not even make the roster. They might not. And I'm not looking for that from Chris Bankston. You have a very slim amount of players who go from summer league to NBA in that one single year. It's not a lot of people who do that. But there are some who do it, but not a lot. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's... Man, I struggle to think it's even a fifth of the players who do that. So that shouldn't be the bar of success or failure. It shouldn't be, well, you know, Chris Bankson was in the summer league. He didn't make it to the Timberwolves 12, man, though. So what? So what? Where did he make it? Did he make it to the G League? Because for me, that's a sign of success. That's the sign of good. That's the bar of success or failure. If you make it to the G League, that's where the development really begins. That's when you start getting into a system where maybe you're learning a little bit more of the offense instead of this day one. Like anybody who plays sports know the first week of practice, you're not really learning a lot. Even for those who have already been on the team, you're not really learning a lot. You're learning a lot of base level things. And that's what you're going to see in summer league, a lot of base level stuff. So with that being the case, I want to see Chris Bankston get to where he can start learning some of the second and third level of the offense and some of the defensive schemes of Minnesota or whoever sees him. Because it's not like it's exclusive rights. I think that I don't, I don't believe that's the case. I believe that somebody else could pick you up and Minnesota might just not want you. They might get after the summer league and be like, eh, not really impressed with his performance overall, you know? So that's what I'm looking at. I'm trying to get you into the G league, but honestly, the fact that he's here in the summer league is not surprising. You saw him invited to the Portsmouth Invitational this offseason to showcase his talents. We saw that, right? You look at just who he is from a frame and build standpoint. You're looking at an explosive big man with a lot of athleticism. That's somebody who I feel like has traits that could be attractive to coaches and scouts and people who want to see what can you do. An all-MEAC player, a defensive player of the year. He has certain traits before you even really get into the skill set that make you say, you know what, I want to see. What can I build on with Chris Bankston? What can I take with his, his athleticism and his style, or size, excuse me, and then see how I can mesh his style? That's really what I'm looking at. So I think that this is phenomenal. I'm kind of surprised that I haven't heard anything about Joe Bryant Jr. I Googled. I don't see him on any, any, uh, any summer league team. That is surprising to me. I felt like he had a fantastic offseason. He won the MVP of the Reese's. Uh, all-star game like I thought he'd be here and though he isn't yet I'd be kind of surprised to see him not at some point which is like mid-July I think or beginning of July when summer league starts 
I'd be surprised to not see him on someone's summer league roster by the time that summer league competition actually begins. Going forward, Jackson State head baseball coach Omar Johnson for the second year in a row is partnering with the USA National Collegiate Team. And this year, he'll be a manager alongside Bama State's head coach, who will be the first base coach for the squad. And we'll dive into not only how he's elevated, he being Omar Johnson for Jackson State, not only how he's elevated, but then also his resume that has gotten him here for two years in a row as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day, making it all the way to segment three. I thank you two times for that. And Omar Johnson, the Jackson State head baseball coach, is joining the USA Collegiate National Team for the second year in a row. And this year, he'll be a manager. One thing you have to understand about the Collegiate National Team, the CNT, is that they aren't just one team. There's multiple different branches of the CNT, right? They, the team USA, I should really say like there's multiple branches of team USA. And this is the second branch that coach Johnson has been a part of. So let's first just break down what he is and we'll get into everything because I do think it's important because I did highlight this when coach Vasquez from Alabama state was a part of the national team, which was just a couple, it was my last episode. So it was really just Friday, but it was a couple of days ago at this point. This is a sign of respect. No, there's not an additional job attached to it like when I was talking about Vasquez on Friday, but this is still a sign of respect. This is still this is still Team USA acknowledging the high value that Jackson State head coach Johnson has. Like that's what we're seeing here. So I want to make sure that that's articulated before I just go into all of the things that he's done, everything that he's been a part of over the last 2 years with Team USA. So this season, he'll be a manager for the the collegiate national team has three sections. You have the Team USA section where you're going against each other. Then you have a friendship series versus Chinese Taipei, right? And then you have a, what's it called? It's a legacy series, I believe. No, it's the championship series versus Japan. So Team USA section will be from June 25th already going on to June 28th this Wednesday. And that's basically just a scrimmage. That's you playing against you, and that's who's decide, and that's how you decide who's going to be on the official collegiate national team. This is essentially like tryouts, but it's not anybody who show up. It's a select group of people who are attempting to audition for the collegiate national team. That's where... Coach Johnson comes into play. So technically, he's not even going to be partnering. He's not going to be the manager while Coach Vasquez is the first base coach. He's going to be the manager for this section. He'll be with the Stripes team, which is meaning, which means his team versus some other manager's team. They'll be going head-to-head to see who's going to be a part of the 26-man roster that is going to be officially known as the Collegiate National Team. This is still an important place, and it kind of showcases where I feel like Team USA sees his value. Because prior to this position, prior to this position, Coach Johnson was on the 13 and under, 14 and under team. He was val- he was he was a manager of them. And that's a developmental 
part of the Team USA. Like these are guys who you're looking at to then come up and move up the ladder and move up the ladder. But I view once you're that young, yes, you're playing and yes, you they want you to be good. It's not like we're just taking scrubs and just trying to make them into great. But at the same time, they're young. So with them being 14 and under, 13 and under, you're entrusting Coach Johnson with the development of those players. You're trusting them to be, you're trusting him to be in a developmental role. And I kind of feel like, no, this isn't development, but it's still talent evaluation. And it's putting people in the best position. No, you you can't come in and teach a guy who's been in college for four years and be like, oh, I need you to do this in three days. And this is just completely going to overhaul your game. Not realistic. But this is evaluating talent, and they're trusting him in that for the second year in a row. And I think that's where they see his value. Now, why did he even get this opportunity? It's because he's probably the most consistent head coach in the sweat. 17 years, no losing seasons. Most of them are 30 and up win seasons. He had like two, maybe three non-30 win seasons. This is the guy is extremely successful. This is Mike Tomlin level, where it's like, you don't, you don't lose, man. You ain't got no losing seasons. You just that's just not what you do, right? So I think that you have to respect that. He also has seven division titles. He has a couple of swag titles underneath his belt. This is a guy who has defeated a number one team in the nation. He's brought Jackson State to the most wins in their school history in baseball, another top 10 season. Like this is a, this is a manager, or excuse me, this is a coach now manager, but this is a coach who has shown himself to be extremely successful. And that's how he was able to get to the point that he was. So whether it's being a talent evaluator for 14 and under a talent evaluator for the college national team, there's a clear value for Omar Johnson, the Jackson state head coach within team USA. And for the second year in a row, he's been able to act upon that value and we'll see if he can go forward in scene three. But Jackson, or excuse me, June 25th to 28th, we'll be seeing him in full effect. And I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day every day. I really do. So thank you for that. Now, on Wednesday's episode, we'll be breaking down Shaw University's football offense, right? Shaw University football's offense. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> I said university's football offense. But we'll be breaking down Shaw University football's offensive game plan and everything that they are looking at with optimism, including a two-quarterback system with one of their quarterbacks also sharing time at wide receiver. This is something that I think will be fascinating to break down, so I can't wait until Wednesday, and I hope you can't wait either. But in the meantime, in between time, until the next time we hear each other, take care, stay blessed. Peace.